Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. And it's not about control. It's about challenging yourself to deepen the anchoring of your, of your, well, of your identity into it. You know, it's like anybody can be calm and relaxed when, when they're in control of their environment, but can you be who you want to be, who you know yourself to be under stress? Hi, it's Joseph. And thanks for tuning in to manage to engage the podcast from clear and open.com. Over the last couple of months, we've been doing a deep dive into meditation for awakening. And so far, we've been laying down the macro level groundwork, what meditation is and is not, disidentifying yourself from your thoughts, why most people practicing don't experience where meditation can actually take them, and the nature of the spiritual instinct. Simply put, we've been looking at the why of meditation. Today and over the next few weeks, we're going to start getting into more of the micro level or the how of meditation for awakening. Also, it's that time again. Clear and Open Spring Quarter begins April 1st, 2021 with the next live course, Psycho-Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram. Now, you may have heard of the Enneagram before, but the way most people relate to it is as just another personality typing system when it's actually the mother slash father. It's the parent of all personality typing systems. When you understand this model, you can see that literally every personality typing system is derivative of it, unusually quite dilutedly. Yes, dilutedly is a word. It is now. The Enneagram is so powerful that it changes the way you relate to yourself and others irrevocably. You will wonder how you ever lived without it, especially if you manage people. This course will be a deep dive into the psycho-spiritual dimensions of the Enneagram, aspects not usually talked about, which have immense ramifications everywhere in your life. Usually your key life lessons are revealed through the Enneagram. Not knowing the Enneagram is like not knowing your own gender, in my opinion, because it sheds just that much light on who you are, what drives you, and how to be the best version of yourself. I use it constantly in my work with people. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've maybe never heard me mention it uh, actually in one of the podcasts, but trust me, I'm always using it. It's one of my secret weapons. That's not really a secret. I just haven't taught a course about it yet. So when you know the Enneagram deeply, it's like having x-ray vision into yourself and others. I would love to share this with you. It's such a powerful tool. In this 11-week course, I'm going to impart that ability to you. Sound interesting? To learn more, go to clearandopen.com slash Enneagram. That's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Enneagram, just like it sounds, I guess. I hope to see you there. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? And when I say, do you hear that? What do you do? What do you do when someone calls your attention to a far off or subtle sound? Right? There's something we do. Do you hear that? You get very still, right? That's meditation in 
one way of saying it. It's just about, do you hear that? It's, you know, when you're trying to hear a subtle sound, you, you're listening with more than just your ears. There's kind of like a reaching out, uh, like, uh, what does Obi-Wan say? Uh, a reach out with your feelings. I love that. It really works. You reach out. It's not, you're not, you're not just listening. There's a sense of like expansiveness. Like, what is that? What? And your whole being becomes a kind of antenna because you're trying to receive it. You know, like the bigger the radar dish, the more it can collect. So you're trying to like expand yourself so that you receive as much as you possibly can. Do you hear that? You change your, the frequency of your being when that happens, right? Now, whether or not you actually hear something or experience something, it does matter and it's important that you not have any kind of attachment to it, right? Because when, when somebody says, do you hear that? You, you don't listen with a, it's probably nothing, right? If you listen with a probably nothing, then you're not going to hear it. Because, you know, everybody's hearing is different, you know. Um, I've been in the room with dogs sometimes where I hear a dog barking in the far distance and only me and the dog and the other six people or whatever, only me and the dog heard it. You know, you've ever had that situation, something like that. So if you listen with, I know what it is I'm going to hear or I know whether or not there's something to hear, if you listen with any kind of knowing, then you're not going to hear it. Do you hear that? It's such a cool thing we have. It's different than do you see that? Like you just, do you see that? You look and either you see it or you don't. But do you hear that? that? Do you hear that? It's like every cell in your body can kind of just rest. Like you become a completely still pond so that it could feel the slightest ripple. Do you hear that? I'm assuming you're doing this with me, but if you haven't been, try it out. Do you hear that? It's an open receptivity. And there doesn't appear to be like an end to it. Like, okay, be open and receptive. Do you hear that? Now, can you be a little bit more open and receptive? Yeah, you kind of can, right? And then a little more. And then a little bit more. If you keep going, eventually you become the universe. That's what happens. (laughs) I might be joking. (laughs) Do you hear that? It, so there's a quality of that. I mean, you could base a meditation practice around that. You might get bored. Your mind might get bored. Um, but you absolutely could base a meditation practice around that. And that's an example of a momentary spiritual practice. Just anywhere, waiting in line somewhere or driving, you could just stop and 
Do you hear that? What is that? And you just listen with your entire being. Meditation is, you could say, an act of like total being listening. It's total receptivity. Because what it is you'll encounter starts off very subtle. Not always, but usually what, what it is you're sort of attempting to encounter can be like a far off sound, really subtle. But eventually it's not far off at all. It's not a distant sound. But in the beginning, it requires a kind of, well, open receptivity and attunement to the subtle. And this also brings in the question of sort of lifestyle, because if you're filling your life with a lot of noise, then it may take uh, a half an hour of sitting still just for that dust to sort of settle. So it does help if there is a significant amount of silence in your life to begin with. And I think it's pretty safe bet to say that in our society today, there has never in the history of world consciousness been this much noise. It's the noisiest it's ever been. Staggering to think so and getting noisier all the time. That's why when you get a smartphone, you have to manually or download an app. You have to manually tell it, no, you don't get to notify me because by default, it's like the default mode in our culture is notifications on, information on. You want to follow this person, you will hear about everything they do. Here's their breakfast. Here's their routine. Here's what they're thinking about right now. Input, 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 input. And it overloads us. And more importantly, it stops us from being able to hear that. Do you hear that? It stops us from even having the skill or the ability to even listen like that, you know? Do you hear that? You hear that? (laughs) (laughs) Joseph, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, comfort in your body when when you're meditating. And I I realized that I have not been comfortable Mm -hmm. and I now have a little puff chair. It's not a chair, it's like a little puff. And sitting in it, today, this morning, made me so comfortable and I was so much more relaxed. I realized that I had not been present because I was not comfortable and I hadn't realized how important that was. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that. And and that was, uh, you jumped in at the perfect time because I want to start taking questions and inquiries and and stuff like that. Um, That's a tricky one because uh, there's such a thing as too comfortable. So it's another one of these balance things is sort of... um, sharpening both sides of the blade things. Because if you're really comfortable, you can fall asleep. And that's one of the ego's best tricks for taking you out. You definitely don't want to be lying down unless you're you know, really awake. Um, but I find even lying down, it's, it's an energetic lack of focus. It just changes. You can experiment with it. You'll find that there'll be a kind of haziness in your awareness if you're lying down most of the time uh, as opposed to if you're sitting. Uh, and you don't want to be... It's tricky to say this. 
you, you, in the beginning, especially, you want to be comfortable enough that your body is not a distraction. But at a certain point, it won't matter and it shouldn't matter. At a certain point, you'll get to a place where it's just like the, you know, if I say, do you hear that? You know, and we have a good amount of quiet here. If we were on like a New York subway and I say, do you hear that? You'd have a harder time being still and listening in that way. But if you were really good at listening, it wouldn't matter, right? If you were really good at being still, it wouldn't matter. So um, that's why you see, you ever see the, um, the Shaolin monks do, you know, nutty stuff where they're like, uh, you know, bending swords against them and, you know, sitting in horse stance and people hitting them with sticks. And it's a demonstration of concentration. And that takes a really serious training to be able to do. I met a guy who um, actually did some of that training and is, yeah, he's like, yeah, I did two years as a Shaolin apprentice or whatever. And in the beginning, you're doing horse dance. Horse dance is a, basically a, a knee bend at 90 degrees. Um, with a wide stance, 90 degree bend. You know, in the beginning, you can do it for like, you know, a minute or two. And after a couple of years, you can do it for six hours. I'm like, oh my God, can you imagine sitting like that for six hours? Right. And, and he says, it doesn't, it doesn't not hurt. It hurts a lot. You just anchor your attention into something else. Right. It's the same kind of thing. So, in the beginning, the physical pain or discomfort or, you know, the itch you have on your nose or whatever can be really distracting. I mean, if you have an itch longer than two or three seconds, just scratch it for God's sakes and, and go on with it. Um, but if you notice that you're constantly, you know, every minute or so you're scratching yourself, well, then that's probably the ego trying to keep you unfocused. So it's an exploration and a practice. So be comfortable enough, but not too comfortable. Okay, maybe weird, but I've always found that when, or at least right now, when I'm in the, my most uncomfortable state, I feel like I'm in a meditative state. Like when I am fatigued, like, and I related to, you know, me being outdoorsy where I can't think of, there's no more noise. It's huh? on a raft or in a camp, nowhere. And I'm constantly listening. I'm at the heightened yeah. aware listening or looking um, where I feel like I'm attuned. Uh huh. So it's like, and it's a fatiguing thing because my mind is always racing. Because I found that when my wife does have a, a meditative chair and I've tried it, it doesn't matter to me. It's like if I'm just sitting and comfortable, it takes a long time for that dust to settle. Okay, cool. Great. Here's a perfect example, Chris. Thanks for that. Yeah. Return to what works for you. So if you have a kind of association where discomfort, somehow quiets your mind and gets you settled better. I, I remember, I don't know why I always remember this. This was like when Billy Crystal hosted the Oscars, God, it might've been like the late eighties or something. I remember an interview uh, with him where he said uh, beforehand, you know, they were asking about his preparation or whatever. And he said, I have to wear uncomfortable shoes. That's the secret to when I perform is if I'm wearing uncomfortable shoes, then I can be on, but I, I can't not be. It's sort of like that. So yeah, uh, for me, it's the same. Uh, there's a balance. If I'm too comfortable, it, it doesn't work. Um, but And using the same place and the same time can be really useful as well. Like meditation for me starts as soon as I sit on, the, on my little bench. I have a little kneeling bench. And uh, for whatever reason, there's just so much association with what's happened there. It's like I sit there and you know, 80% of the time without any kind of intention, it just starts happening. 
I'm glad you mentioned that because I tried something new this week and I changed my location. And I've always meditated in this really comfy chair in my bedroom. And I'm able to um, not hear all those sounds, all the, the sounds outside my home in the woods and on the river. They, they don't distract me when I'm there. So I thought, oh, well, I'm, I must be good at this. So I tried it at the office. Holy schmoly. I, it's like I had a tick. I just I couldn't <laughs> get rid of anything. And I, and I thought I could. So I'm glad you said the place and maybe it wasn't totally me, but I clearly couldn't get rid of that, that noise at all. Yeah. Yeah. It helps in the beginning. And then there's an and here of you want a quiet sort of controlled environment in the beginning and don't get hooked on that. Because you can see if your desire is to achieve a meditative state, then you'll come from the place of like, okay, well, I need my chair and I need my incense and I need my mandala on the wall and I need total silence and I've got earplugs and then, you know, the uh, and everything. And then, and that's control, right? So it's fine to start that way, just like you need it quiet to hear the subtle sound, but eventually... You know, you want to start meditating in line at the grocery store and when you have a spare moment or in traffic or, um, you know, when you hear the neighbor's dog barking and it's making you absolutely crazy because that's when you find out how good your access is to it. And it's not about control. It's about challenging yourself to deepen the anchoring of of your, well, of your identity into it. You know, it's like... Anybody can be calm and relaxed when there's when they're in control of their environment. But can you be who you want to be, who you know yourself to be under stress? Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, Know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.